What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clips Convo Show, a podcast by the Sporting Tribune, where we break down, as the name suggests, conversation topics around the L.A. Clippers. We break down everything you need to know about the Clips. And after this little stretch that they just completed, we have a lot to break down. I'm Joey Lynn, your host. I'm so thankful that you guys have decided to tune in. This is just episode number two of this podcast. So we are really just getting started in terms of what it is that we're doing on here, what it is that we want to do on here. It's kind of a blank canvas, but one thing you guys can count on is us having your Clippers coverage. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to have the best Clippers coverage around, the best Clippers podcast around, and uh, we hope that we are able to provide that for you. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. As I talked about in the first episode, kind of the structure that we want to follow is starting because we're going once a week right now. Uh, it's starting by recapping the the previous games that the Clippers have played, you know, in between the last episode and this episode, and then previewing the games that are going to be coming up in between this episode and the next episode. And as I mentioned, a little bit of a tough stretch that the Clippers are coming off of right now. They have lost their last four games. Three of those have come since we last talked to each other. Well, <laughs> I last talked at you guys, I suppose would be the proper term there since this is a pod, but it's been a rough stretch for the Clips. They have dropped three in a row. Two of those came to OKC. And the other one came just yesterday to the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, I was a little bit frustrated because it was my first podcast episode ever. I sit down, I'm recording the episode, and as I had planned to do, and as I will continue to do going forward, I previewed the next three games for the Clippers that were going to come up in between this episode and the next episode, and I said something <laughs> that as Clippers fans, you guys know I should probably never say, and that was the Clippers are expected to be fully healthy for this three-game stretch. And as you guys know, just minutes after I finished recording, we got the update that not only were the Clippers not going to be fully healthy, for that upcoming stretch, but they were going to be without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The PG news hit just minutes after I finished recording. And I was upset about that, you know, initially because he obviously he's, you know, out sick. Hopefully he's going to be all right, but uh, he was not going to be in, in the mix for them in this upcoming set after I had just promised that he would be. And then the next day we had the news that Kawhi Leonard was going to be out with some knee tightness. So it was a tough back-to-back kind of blow there for the Clippers. And for me, I was like, man, what is going on here? I just recorded my first podcast episode ever. Part of what I wanted to do on there was preview the next few games. And I talk about how they're going to be fully healthy, should head back home four and one. Instead, they miss PG for game one, Kawhi for game one, miss Kawhi not only for that game, but then the next two as well. And now we go into this next podcast episode. They're two and three or no, excuse me, two and four now. And uh, things aren't looking so great. But with that being said, they have an opportunity now to get back on track. Like I said, so much of what we want to do uh, in this podcast is, is preview the upcoming games because that was kind of one of our main, I'll call it a selling point because, I mean, 
you know, it's just, it's a podcast and we're trying to get you guys to listen. But uh, one of the main things that we wanted to do was pre and post game coverage. And uh, kind of, as I talked about uh, on the first episode, you know, part of that is going to be, you know, pre and post game, hopefully pre and post game coverage in the, in, in the sense of like, you know, maybe a radio show a day, or maybe, you know, we do spaces and we get you actually like that day, you know, pre and post game coverage, but also too, like it's going to come in the form of me previewing the games that are coming up and me recapping the games that have happened. So we're going to start by recapping since we want to go over the games that the Clippers have lost since we last uh, were together. Again, I keep saying I got to figure out a better term, (laughs) whatever's most accurate. Uh, But it was that two game set against the OKC Thunder that really became an issue for the Clippers because you go into there thinking, okay, you know, they're playing OKC. You know, OKC is not necessarily a, a powerhouse. They do have Shea Gildas Alexander, our old friend. Uh, but if they enter that that series, I call it a series, like a little mini series, they enter that fully healthy, you know, they should be able to, to walk away with a couple of wins. And uh, neither of those things happened. They didn't enter that mini series fully healthy and they didn't walk away with a couple of wins. Instead, they walked away with a couple of losses. Now, I want to make a point when it comes to not just that series, that mini series against OKC, but also just the way the team has played so far to start the season. Now, if you go into that series against OKC and a mini little mini series, two game set, I suppose is the more accurate, uh, you know, phrase for that uh, without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you're thinking, okay, we might be in a little bit of trouble because, you know, Shea Gillis Alexander is going to be the best player on the floor. He just won player of the week. He's averaging about 30 a night right now, like 37 and five, something stupid like that. You know, we might be in some trouble, but the Clippers have built their team on depth. They have built their team on an abundance of depth and have really not made any sort of like consolidation trade to that depth because of situations like this. They know they're going to be without Kawhi Leonard. They know they're going to be, you know, without John Wall on certain nights. You know, perhaps Paul George down the stretch of the season is is going to get some nights off. Like, we don't know exactly what his situation is going to be in terms of his health. But uh, the Clippers, for that reason, have kept their depth going because they want to be able to win games like this when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are out. So they were not able to do that in OKC, and they were not able to do that against the Pelicans Either And it was a frustrating three-game stretch because, like I said, really the calling card of this Clippers team is their depth, and it's their ability to survive games without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They did it all year last year, would have made the playoffs if the play-in format didn't exist. And uh, so far this year, it hasn't looked that way. Just putting it bluntly, so far this year, it has not looked that way. And the reason why is a little bit concerning, and and I'll get into that here in a second because we talked to Marcus Marcus Morris after yesterday's game, and we asked him, you know, last year you guys were playing shorthanded. You guys were without, you know, so many key pieces. What's the difference this year? Because it seemed like every night last year you guys felt like we have a chance to win, and we're going to go into this game, and we're going to make it happen. So far this year, that energy hasn't been there. Uh, That intensity hasn't been there. And just that overall sense of urgency and and just that that fight that we saw last year 
has not been there. And you kind of wonder well, what's going on. Like the only new addition is John Wall and he's playing great. So it's like this team has been together. They've played without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Why all of a sudden does it look differently? And Marcus Morris said something that I think it was pretty telling uh, uh, last night. And he said, last year we knew that Kawhi Leonard was going to be out. We knew that Paul George was going to be out because he missed like 75% of the season with his UCL injury. And Marcus said, because of that, we approached every single game with a sense of urgency and, and that underdog mentality because we knew if we didn't, we'd lose. They were shorthanded. They didn't have oftentimes the, the same talent that their opponents had, but they would go into places like Brooklyn, play Katie and Kyrie, you know, incredibly shorthanded and find a way to win. And that's something that so far this year they haven't done. And Marcus Morris admitted that. He said, I think right now we're just showing up expecting to win. Whereas last year we showed up every game with a mentality and a sense of urgency that was really what our winning chances were dependent on. And so far this year, they haven't brought that. And, and in my opinion, that's a little bit upsetting, a little bit disappointing because all year long, all summer long, the team has talked about having like an increased sense of focus, um, talking about being locked in, uh, no, no egos. And not that this is an ego thing, but just, you know, showing up every day with a championship mentality has been a, a major theme so far for the Clippers. And unfortunately, right now, they don't have that mentality. And, and you saw it in that three-game stretch. And that's really my only takeaway from those three games. You look at those three games, and you know while maybe the, the Pelicans game's a little bit different because they're playing well, I mean, they were also down Brandon Ingram. So they're down Brandon Ingram. You're down Kawhi Leonard. You feel as if it's almost kind of a wash in that way. Like Zion's, the, I think, their best player. But Ingram's been their best player over the last couple seasons when Zion has been out. He's out. Kawhi's out. You know, this is a Pelicans team that, you know, just beat you in the play-in last year. You would think that they would come out with a sense of urgency, but in fact, they did actually in that Pelicans game. I, I actually want to mention that. They did come out in that Pelicans game with what seemed like their best effort all year long. Uh, they came out and, and punched first, but as we saw both last year and this year, it's not enough sometimes to just punch first. You also got to punch next. And the Clippers didn't do that in the Pelicans game. They hit first. They came out. They were flying around defensively. They were sharp offensively. But uh, by, by about halftime, things didn't look so great. You know, Zion started to get going, and I tweeted it out at halftime. I, I thought that the Clippers probably should have done a better job trying to match minutes with Zoo and Zion. Not that Zoo was this Zion stopper. Like, Zion got his even with Zoo on the floor. But it was a situation where if you are playing a small ball lineup against not just one of the best finishers in basketball, but statistically one of the most dynamic and efficient finishers of all time, that's probably a recipe for disaster. And it was the Clippers did not look good in the minutes that Zion was going against that small ball group. And that was pretty much to be expected. You're expecting guys like Marcus Morris you know, Nicholas Batum to try to keep Zion from imposing his will inside. Like, it's just not going to happen. And again, Zoo's not going to stop him either, but he can at least add some deterrence. And I think he did that, especially in the first half uh, of that game. Would have liked to see him get a little bit more time on the floor uh, against Zion, if not completely match minutes. 
But uh, that's my takeaway from those first three games, or excuse me, the last three games that that have, have happened since my last podcast episode. And transitioning now to this upcoming stretch, uh, it's a stretch of four games that the Clippers need to finish at least three and one. They have to go at least three and one over this next stretch, preferably four and oh, when you look at who they're playing. They have one game against the Houston Rockets tonight, which is Monday the 31st. Happy Halloween, everybody. I actually just realized that it was Halloween tonight, so enjoy that. Uh, if the Clippers you know, the Clippers don't come out with the right effort, piss you off. Hope you can go and still salvage your night, do something fun. But hopefully they can get a Halloween W, and then they head on the road to Houston to play uh, the Rockets again on Wednesday. Then they make a quick flight from Houston to San Antonio, put the Spurs on Friday. They come back home and play Utah on Sunday. Like I said, that should be a 4-0 stretch of games. I should come back, talk to you guys next week on my Monday episode and say the Clippers are now 6-4. and four. That's where they should be after this stretch. But as we've seen, anything can happen with the way that they're playing right now. And it's got to start tonight against Houston. What I'm not going to do is what I did last week and guarantee clean health because, in fact, we actually the injury report's already come out by now. Um, the Clippers will not be with Kawhi Leonard uh, tonight. They will not have John Wall tonight. And they will not have Robert Covington tonight. Uh, Wall is not allowed to play back-to-backs. Leonard, of course, is still dealing with his, his knee tightness, and Robert Covington um, is, is in health and safety protocols. So the Clippers are going to be shorthanded again tonight, but this is a bad Houston Rockets team, a team that the Clippers should beat. But again, with the way that they've been playing, the way that they've showed up some of these games, you know, they could lose to anybody with the way that they've been playing right now. So they have to find a way to get a couple of dubs against Houston, grab one against the Spurs, and then come home, take care of business against Utah. And again, Utah's playing well. You know, San Antonio's playing well, but the Clippers should definitely win those games these are teams that by the end of the year project to be well into the lottery if the Clippers can't take care of business then then they really have have some looking in the mirror to do because these are some games that they absolutely should be winning even if short-handed now I mentioned Kawhi Leonard is going to be out for this game and also mentioned John Wall is going to be out for this game this is clips combos we break down conversation topics around the Clippers and those are my two primary ones that I want to hit on during this episode. Starting with Kawhi, I think his situation is a two-part discussion. People have been asking me, Joey, I got this uh, question uh, on Twitter the other day, and I appreciated the question. It was actually something that I planned on addressing already. They said, Joey, is there a level of concern right now with Kawhi Leonard's situation? And I think the person who was asking the question was actually more so alluding to like the team's inability to get continuity consistency with Kawhi in and out of the lineup more so than they were alluding uh, to like actual concern surrounding his health. Although that's part of the discussion as well. It's a two part discussion in my eyes. The first part is what I just mentioned about the team's inability to get consistency with Kawhi Leonard being in and out of the lineup and also their inability to, to really perform well with him out of the lineup. And the second part of that discussion is Kawhi Leonard's overall health. And I'm going to start there Because, again, I am not a doctor. I've said this on Twitter. I am not a doctor. I am not authorized to be, you know, talking about 
Kawhi Leonard's ACL tear. I've never experienced an ACL tear. I've never analyzed them in any sort of depth. It's not something I have any knowledge about. So I'm not going to you know, sit up here and pretend to know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But from what I've read from people much smarter than me, when you tear your ACL and you miss the year that Kawhi missed, a little bit over a year, it is not uncommon to experience some tightness when you're working your way back. Now, there is some element of a concern because Kawhi, you know, went through uh, training camp, went through the preseason, you know, by all accounts, everybody was telling us that he looked great, that he felt great. You know, he told us that he felt great, didn't have any discomfort during the preseason, during training camp. You know, people that have trained with him, his teammates, they said he looks like Kawhi and even better. So because of that, now all of a sudden he's dealing with some tightness and he's missing games. Yes, there is some concern there. But when talking about the level of concern, I don't think it's it's to the point where perhaps uh, some people think it may be. Because, like I said, from what I've read, this is nothing that that's my own knowledge. This is just from people way smarter than me. When you tear your ACL and you're just kind of starting to work your way back into things, it's not uncommon for you to deal with some tightness and some discomfort. And it's usually something that you can work through. That's what I've read. So that's really the extent of my knowledge on that. But when it comes to the second point, and this is the one that was brought up to me on Twitter, one that I already plan on addressing on this episode anyways, it's the Clippers' inability to gain continuity and consistency with Kawhi Leonard continuously in and out of the lineup. Because even when he has played, he has been on a minutes restriction and he has been coming off the bench. So it is a situation where even then, it's not anywhere close to what the Clippers hope is going to be Kawhi Leonard's situation come playoff time. So in my eyes, the Clippers have really gotten like no real reps with Kawhi Leonard so far this season. And we're you know about a week and a half into the season. That's the case. It's a little bit concerning because, you know, he even joked the other day, he was asking, you know, where does that consistency come from? Where's that continuity come from? And he said, man, it comes from playing basketball. I told you guys this on the last episode. He said, it comes from playing basketball. Well, so far this season, uh, he hasn't played much basketball. And, you know, for the people who are slandering him and, you know, kind of using this as an opportunity to get jokes off, I, that, that's a little bit upsetting. And it's not surprising, but it is upsetting because, you know, the guy wants to play. This narrative that he doesn't want to play is ridiculous, man. He talked about, he just had an exclusive interview where he talked about how tough it was. He said the mental anguish of being out the last year plus you know, all 82 games last year and in the play-in as well. He said the mental anguish was worse than the physical pain because he loves basketball so much. It's, it's really been his whole life that he's, he's played this game and they have it taken away from him. He said the mental anguish was worse than the physical pain. So for the people trying to joke on him and say that, you know, he wants to be a part-time player, doesn't want to play anymore, I promise you guys if he could be out there right now, he would be. The Clippers are, of course, going to be cautious with him and, and take it slow. Uh, but that I, I wouldn't even say it's a three part discussion where that's, you know, part of it, like it, his drive or his, his desire to be out there. Forget that. He wants to be out there. So, so for the, the comedians getting jokes off about that, it's a little bit disappointing to see because the guy has been open and honest about, you know, how tough it was mentally on him being forced to, to watch from the sideline last year. And then to now just like two games into the season be dealing with with some more tightness like there's definitely got to be some level of concern there for him as well so I mean those jokes are dumb and I I don't really want to give those too much attention but I do agree that there is 
if there's any concern right now, like if you were to, to say, Joey, like where does the, the concern lie right now in terms of Kawhi Leonard? I would say uh, it, it's just the uh, ability for the Clippers to gain continuity and consistency with him on the floor because uh, we saw it a couple of years ago. It's not the reason the Clippers lost in 2020, but I do think it contributed. You had PG, you know, started the year not, not playing. You know, Kawhi was in and out with low management, also got banged up a little bit. Um, it felt like the team never really established a real identity. And if this is like a, a long-term thing for Kawhi where, you know, he's not just missing back-to-backs, but he's also, you know, missing stretches of, of time like he is right now where he's only played two of the first seven games after tonight, um, I think that there is going to be some concern there in terms of the Clippers' ability to, like, get acclimated with him because right now you got guys playing roles that, you know, quite frankly, they're not fit for. You know, Marcus Morris has done a great job keeping the offense afloat uh, with Kawhi out and with PG struggling. You know, Reggie is, as at times, you know, had his moments. But those are guys that it, it almost felt as if, like, they were, you know, they understood there was going to be some sacrifice necessary, but they were ready for that. Like, they were ready to, to kind of revert back into a more comfortable role alongside Kawhi Leonard. And, and so far, that hasn't happened. So if you were to locate, like, one area of concern when it comes to Kawhi, I think it's there as opposed to, you know, like his desire to play or even like his physical health, you know, because like I said, all things considered, uh, this isn't like completely abnormal for him to be dealing with from what I've read. So that's the Kawhi situation. As for John Wall, because as, as I as I mentioned, that was kind of like my second talking point. His situation's kind of frustrating too for him more than anybody because he had the game taken away from him the last two years and now he's back. He's feeling good. He's 100%. And the team says, yeah, you can only play 20 to 25 minutes right now, and you can't play back-to-backs. We talked to him last night. We already kind of knew that he felt this way. But he was super open and honest with us last night. And we asked him if he was going to play tomorrow or today now. And he said, man, I would love to, but I don't think I'm going to be allowed to because it's a back-to-back. And uh, one reporter asked him, you know, how close 200% are you right now? And he said, I'm 100%. He said, I feel amazing right now. I want to shut down the idea that, you know, I was hurt last year. He's like, I wasn't hurt. I was healthy last year. I was a healthy scratch last year because Houston just had other plans for him and other plans for their team. And now with John being back, playing great, being on a minutes restriction, it's a little bit tough for him right now to, to have to sit and watch when he feels that he could be out there contributing more. But uh, he, listen, he, he, he was graceful about it. He said, you know, I'm going with the plan that they have for me. I don't want to, you know, make it sound like he was upset and was saying, like, you know, I, I, I want to be out there and, you know, they're holding me back. Like, of course he wants to be out there, but he's going to follow the plan that the team has for him. Just to illuminate how good John Wall has been so far for the Clippers, he talked about it last night, and I think this is a very interesting point that he made. He's only playing about 22 minutes per game right now because that's the minutes restriction that they have for him. He'd love to be playing more. He's, he's been honest about that. And he said, if you look at my per 36 numbers, he said, I think I'm averaging like 25 or 26 a night. And he was a little bit off on that, but I found something very interesting from his per 36 numbers so far this year. And, and again, I'll start by saying this, per 36 is not the, the best metric to measure a guy's impact or, you know, say, oh, if he was actually playing 36 minutes, this is what he'd do because you got to account for different things like, you know, adjustments and, and fatigue and things of that nature. But so far this season, per 36, John Wall is averaging 23 points per game, 7.7 assists per game, and 3.7 rebounds per game. If you go back to 2018, the last time he was an all-star, 
per 36, he was, he was averaging 20 points per game, 10 assists per game, and 3.8 rebounds per game. So you look at what he's doing this year. He's actually averaging more points per 36 minutes with the Clippers than he was when he was an all-star with the Wizards his, uh, his last full year there, which was 2018. He, he was there, obviously, in 2019 as well, but only played 32 games, got hurt. Uh, he was an all-star in 2018, and he is putting up comparable numbers <laughs> to his last all-star season right now per 36 minutes with the Clippers. So you look at that and you say, man, unleash this guy. Let him go cook. Let him be John Wall. Let him run the offense. Let, I mean, he looks fantastic out there. But again, the Clippers have a plan for him. And while it's frustrating right now for him and the fans, they want to try to make sure that they're preserving his health long term. And I'm going to ask Ty Lue today, actually, to try to get a little bit more clarity on John Wall's situation. I'm going to ask Ty Lue before the game when they think he's he's going to have his minutes increased or if there's any like barometer uh, that, that they are using to, to see if he's ready or if it's just like a games thing. Or I'm going to figure that out today and I'll report that on Twitter for you guys because I think you know fans are ready to know when is John Wall going to be unleashed. So those are the first two talking points I wanted to break down. And the third one, I think I'm just going to kind of try to stick with the theme of, of hitting the big three here with Kawhi, PG, and John Wall. As I just teased, it's PG. What is going on with Paul George? He had a 40-point explosion in Sacramento, looked absolutely fantastic, was dominant every bit of like the tier one star that he was in the 2021 playoffs when Kawhi went down. But since then, he's averaging just over 13 points per game. It's been three games since that 40-point explosion. He's averaging just over 13 points per game on 30% from the field and 22% from downtown. Now, if you were to tell me, Joey, the Clippers have a three-game stretch coming up. They're going to be without Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George is going to average 13 points per game. How many wins are they getting? I would say it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going on three. And that's what happened. And it's not to pin this all on Paul George, not to say that, you know, other guys haven't also contributed to the losses. It's not all his fault. You know, he's still doing, you know, different things out there that help the team win. But when you're without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers need him to be that 1A, that that tier one star that we have seen him tap into at times when Kawhi has gone down. And, and unfortunately, so far, uh, really with the exception of, of that Sacramento game, he, he really hasn't been that yet for the Clippers this year. And they need him to. They need him too badly. Ty Lewis talked about it. PG talked about it. He took accountability after that last loss. He said, man, I have to be better. He said, it starts with me. He said, it starts with me. He said, I have been poor over these last few games. He said, but I'm committed to this team. I'm committed to my work and I will be better. And I believe he will be. I believe he will bounce back. I'm not worried about Paul George. I don't think he's you know, all of a sudden become washed from what we've seen him do over the last couple of seasons. It's just a bad stretch for him right now and something that I think he will figure out. So we've talked about the big three, and I, I feel comfortable calling him that now. Not that John Wall is going to be an all-star or anything like that, but he's probably been the Clippers' most consistent player so far outside of maybe Zoo. So I, I talked about the big three, but uh, speaking of Zoo and some of the other guys, on this roster, I want to get into to some of the, the optimism that I have right now um, with, with some of the, the pieces that the Clippers have. There's, of course, a lot of negativity you know, around the team right now with their start, but I do think we've seen some encouraging things, specifically 
from Evita Zubac. The Clippers have placed him into a much bigger role this season as the only big man on the team. He currently leads the team in total minutes, which is funny because fans are, are actually calling for him to play more, but he actually leads the team in total minutes right now. He is seventh in the NBA in total rebounds, third in total blocks, and it's just been fantastic. You cannot ask for anything more than what Big Zoo has given you this year. But on that point, I will say, I think the Clippers are asking a little bit too much of Zoo right now. And if some of you Zoo stands, and listen, I'm a Zoo stand too. I, I, <laughs> I love Big Zoo, man. But if some of you uh, big Zoo fans are hearing this and saying, Joey, what are you talking about, man? The Clippers are asking to do too much. They need to have him do more. Like they need to feature him more, play him more minutes, get him more touches. I agree. But the point that I'm making is I think they're asking him to do too much defensively. Zoo is fantastic defensively. One of the best rim protectors in basketball, not just this season, but since he's come to the Clippers, the numbers will tell you that. I think they're asking him to do too much defensively, and it starts with their very poor point of attack defense. That is a, a major concern of mine when it comes to this Clippers team, something that I don't think is talked about enough. Uh, since they traded Pat Bev, they have not really had an elite point of attack defender like him uh, he's one of the best in basketball I think it's like him in my eyes I think it's him Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart who are the top three uh, point of attack guards defensively in the NBA right now and uh, right now the Clippers don't have anybody anywhere close to that tier of, of point of attack defense they are not a good uh, perimeter defense team right now even uh, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in, in the lineup, because I think Paul George has just been a tad slow on defense uh, so far to start the year, which you know is to be expected. Sometimes guys at that stage in his career just are a little bit you know slow to start the year defensively. We, you know, Kawhi, I think, has been really active, but he's only played two games, so it's hard to really gauge on, on you know where he's at defensively. But specifically looking at their point of attack defense from their guards, it is very poor. I'm a big fan of of Reggie. Norm and, and kind of like those lead scoring guards that the Clippers having, they're going to be huge to what the Clippers are going to do this year. But neither one of those guys are offering any resistance at all on the point of attack uh, side of things. And that leaves Zoo to try to cover for a lot. And when he's the only seven footer on the roster, you're already concerned about the possibility of him getting in foul trouble. I think he's done a good job managing that so far this year. But when you start forcing him in, into like a Rudy Gobert role, where they have had, you know, with Utah the last several years, no point of attack defense, and they've just let Gobert try to cover for everybody. I get a little bit concerned about them asking Zoo to do that over the course of an 82 game season with the beating that he takes offensively. Man, we were talking to him in the locker room the other day. He's like, Man, I get hit all game, every game, get no calls. You guys pay attention to that. Watch tonight's game, watch these next few games, how often Zoo gets hit with no call. It's all the time. So with just the level of, of physicality that he takes and, and the increased minutes that he's playing really for the first time in his career, and now you're asking him to cover for some really poor perimeter defense, it, it's a little bit of a concern of mine. And I, I don't really know the right answer. It's I don't think there's an easy fix. Uh, it's tough. It's tough because I think you know, Luke Kennard's made some great, great strides defensively. I posted a video on YouTube about that. I think, or excuse me, on, on Twitter about that. Uh, Terrence Mann is probably just in terms of like the tools that he possesses uh, the best point of attack defender on the team right now. But if that's the, you know, kind of what you're relying on, like Terrence Mann stepping up and being your stopper, 
or, you know, like a, a big leap from Luke Kennard defensively, you know, chances are your, your defensive personnel is just not that great. And the Clippers are currently seventh in the league in defense right now. I think Zoo <laughs> should get credit for like 95% of that. But uh, I'm not sure how sustainable that is because they've played some bad teams. They've played some teams that have missed a lot of wide open looks. I honestly don't even think you should be looking at team ratings this early in the season. I'm, I'm kind of against that. Um, whether that is like individual, like on off stats or, you know, just overall team ratings. I think it's way too early. You know, there hasn't been enough time for trends to really develop. So yeah, they're top seven in defense right now. Zoo's held them down, but I just think it's too early to, to make any like major takes on how you know, potentially good they are defensively because of that metric. I give it about 20, 30 games, you know, revisit that. If they're still top 10, then okay, you know, maybe they're all right. But as of right now, I do have some concerns about what they're asking Big Zoo to do defensively with their lack of, of point of attack resistance. And it's not that I don't think he's capable. I just think it's something that is is too much. I mean, the guy is the only seven-footer on the team. You're already asking him uh, to, to remain durable and, and to remain available, whether that be, you know, health-wise or foul trouble wise. And all of a sudden you're asking him to cover uh, for really the lack of resistance that the Clippers have on the perimeter. It's, it's a lot. So that's something to keep an eye on, but shout out big zoo, man. He has held it down uh, to start the year. It has been a great start to the season for him. I mentioned Luke Kennard a little bit, his growth defensively. I don't need to go too far in depth on Luke. You guys know how I feel about Luke, man. That's my guy, a big fan of Luke. I think he's gotten off to a fantastic start to this season. I need them to feature him more offensively, man. Uh, it's it's tough because guys are playing up on him. They're real physical with him right now. It's almost similar to the way that Steph started off the ball where, I mean, they have a, a guy up in his shirt like the entire 24 seconds, making sure that he doesn't create any separation. So because of that, I think they could probably benefit even from getting him on the ball a little bit more, letting him run some offense. I mean, we've we've seen his wiggle. It's, it's more than I think people realize uh, it was. You know, he's able to kind of let guys fly by, get inside. I would like to see them feature him a little bit more offensively if they could. Uh, but those are, you know, kind of some of my main takeaways to start the year. It's 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 what we've seen from from PG and, and his hesitancy and, and him struggling a little bit. And then it's like the health situation with Kawhi and John Wall. Definitely something to monitor. But then also to like like some of the positives that you've seen with guys like Big Zoo and guys like Luke Kennard. And it's a point I made back at the beginning of the podcast. This team is built around depth. This team is built around depth. They did not make a consolidation trade to, you know, maybe get a little bit stronger with their top end talent at the sacrifice of some of their depth because they knew one thing. And that one thing was that we are not always going to have our entire roster fully healthy. In fact, you know, more times than not, we probably won't. So because of that, we have to have guys that can step in and win games when, you know, we're shorthanded and, and, and they have those guys. But so far, you know, unfortunately, uh, they haven't been able to put it together because of, I think, the point that Marcus Morris made last night that I already featured. Before I wrap things up, I want to I want to really leave you guys on a high note, if, if I can, because uh, we've talked about a lot of the negatives. I, I wouldn't call this like a negative podcast episode. I think, I, you know, try to keep it light, have, have some fun with it. But you know, you're coming off a four game losing streak. It's not exactly going to be the best vibes. So because of that, I want to try to leave you guys with a little bit of optimism, a little bit of a little bit of hope, something to grasp right now while you're, you're kind of upset about what the Clippers have given you to start the year. I have been super adamant about the fact that the regular season matters. That is a fact. You cannot just enter the postseason with a poor regular season team, sneak into the playoffs and expect things to turn around. It doesn't work that way. 
But with that being said, nothing is being made or broken on Halloween night. It's just not happening. Nothing that happens in October is going to have a major impact on the Clippers ceiling in the postseason. Now, again, I say that cautiously because I don't want to try to create the idea that I don't think the regular season matters and that I don't think good habits and good trends that you set early in the season can have an impact on the end of the season. But what I'm saying is that there is time. My man Adam A. on Twitter brought up a great point. And again, he believes the same thing that I believe, where it's this isn't being dismissive of the poor start the Clippers have had, but it's just adding some perspective. Through 40 games last year, the Eastern Conference champion Boston Celtics were 19-21. and 21. They looked to be going nowhere, had no identity. They had talks of Tatum and Brown not working. And then what did they do? They figured it out. They made some changes, made some adjustments, caught fire, won the East, and came within two games of an NBA championship. Not saying that's the blueprint. Not saying the Clippers shouldn't strive to have better habits, better results at this point in the season. But I think it is a great example to look at that early season struggles are not indicative of a team that is going to struggle all season long. But again, I say that with, with some sort of a caveat there because I don't want people to think that, that these habits and these games that they're playing right now don't matter. They do, but they're not make or breaking the season. And I want to make sure people remember that because it can be easy to kind of get caught up in the struggles and think, oh man, the Clippers are cooked. Here we go again. But like I said, nothing is being made or broken at this point in the year. Habits matter. You know, trends matter, but it is a long season. We are six games into an 82-game grind. The Clippers have time to figure it out, and I believe that they will. So we're going to wrap things up here. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I got some suggestions sent in. I think it was about a week or so ago, it, you know, maybe like five, three, five days ago after some people had started to listen. And one of the best messages that I got in terms of suggestions was, uh, you know, potentially maybe adding like some transition music you know, some sort of like buffer when I transfer uh, from like one point to the next or like one segment to the next, that is in the works. That is something that I hope to implement soon. Humble beginnings on this pod right now. I'm kind of doing a lot of this on my own. I do have some help, but a lot of it is just me kind of trying to, you know, figure out the best way to go about things, you know, in terms of like using clips and, and how I want to break things down. So I'm always open to suggestions. I thought that was a really good one. You know, hopefully eventually it's ads and it's sponsors and things like that that are kind of, you know, adding that buffer. Just take this to the next level. Um, but I'm always working on, on trying to make this better. So if you have any suggestions, hit me up. Um, you know, let me know your thoughts, what you liked, you know, maybe what could be better. Because uh, I'm always trying to implement that and, and try to make this one of the more enjoyable listens that, that you guys have in terms of Clippers content. So it's been a lot of fun, you guys. Hopefully the Clippers can start turning things around. As I mentioned, I'm going to try to uh, get episodes out every Monday. If it's a Monday like today with the Clippers play in the evening, I'm going to try to record it early in the day so I can get it out you know, at least a few hours in advance, give you guys time to listen for those of you who are tapped in. And for those of you who are tapped in and have listened to the end, man, that means a lot. That, is, that means a lot. I've been on here uh, rambling for, I don't know, what, half hour, 45 minutes now. And uh, you guys listen to the whole thing. So that that really does mean a lot, man. There, there's no Clips combo show. There's there's no none of what I'm doing if you guys didn't continue to show love. So the fact that you guys do means a lot. I say a lot, but I'm, I'm keep saying it, man. It, it really does mean a lot to me. I, I love this community that we have. Um, that's really why I wanted to kind of spread my wings and do something like this because you know, I wanted to give you guys uh, something fun to listen to, a little bit different than some of the other things I did. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And uh, hopefully by the next episode, we got four doves 
to break down instead of four L's to break down. So that is the hope. But until next time, you guys, much love and go Clippers.